I wanted to jump in though. I missed you guys so much. Well, we got your feedback, but we love it when you participate. Um, I should say for those that are just that have plugged in, you can tell by the nature of our discussion when we didn't really start this, that there's been some dialogue going on in the green room about things that have been going on in the past week for us. Um, But in an attempt to try and share this with everybody else, we finally hit the record button. Now, Paula, unfortunately, has to leave um, shortly. So if you've got some contributions, let's hear them first. And then, you know, Dave and I are going to expand on the things that we began with anyway. Yeah, Paula, the first the first 20 minutes this morning with you has just been a mind blower. And uh, can you give us a recap or or what you're channeling right now? Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, I want to encourage everybody to stay tuned to the end because this is an amazing discussion this morning, first of all. Uh, Second of all, we were talking about um, I popped in and Lowell and Dave were discussing how uh, the assistance in enhancing seeing what's already around us. How is it that some people see and heal, hear and experience this phenomena, these orbs and spacecraft and beings? And then you'll literally have another person close by or in the vicinity that can't experience these things. And uh, we were talking about, you know, how human beings can be very differentiated in what they experience despite being in the same place at the same time. And so I was uh, had just listened to a couple of podcasts from a Dr. Gary Nolan from Stanford University who had worked briefly with Dr. Stephen Greer a few years ago and doing some, um, some testing of some uh, genetic material of, of, a, of a being that they were trying to see if human or non-human, et cetera. Um, now that became came and went as as a situation. But what stayed was uh, Dr. Gary Nolan had continued his interest and work and research and inquiry into this phenomena of ETs, extraterrestrials or altered dimensional beings, etc. And he became so curious that he actually tried to uh, develop some empirical evidence about those that can see and those that can't. And the folks that could see actually had differentiated brain matter in um, a very specific portion of the brain. And he was talking to a psychologist at Stanford and that, uh, that professor was telling him what that part of the brain had done. And it was very much oriented around higher level functioning. And there was people that had it and that people didn't. And the people that did have it had higher order thinking and functionality in lots of areas of their life. And these people tended to find one another and marry, or they found one another via law of attraction without having to say it in in any other better way. But they found each other and they started creating more communities around each other. And we were talking about how this community is one of those communities. So I do believe that if Dr. Nolan uh, and his team were to do some research on our brains, I would wonder, do we all have that 
uh, capability. I'm thinking if we haven't, we're developing it right now as we speak. They think it might be genetic. I'm suggesting maybe it's something that could be developed. And Lowell had stated everybody's been invited, but not everybody will join the party. <laughs> and that's wow. my. <clears throat> I didn't say it that way, but I wish I had. <laughs> <laughs> And that's my contribution for the day. But what an exciting discussion. It's very exciting. Thanks, Paula. I, I should probably help our listeners by taking them back to letting them know what the topic really started out with. And so um, without trying to talk about too many topics at once, because uh, I already got busted for that this morning. Uh, in order to understand what really happened in last weekend, I was invited to kind of the inaugural retreat for um, this space in Arizona, uh, just outside Sedona. Uh, I'll tell you, it's called Wisdom Spirit Ranch, and you'll hear more about it. It's still in the process of um, pulling itself together because this campus has a lot of moving parts to it and they're all getting addressed. But in the meantime, <clears throat> there was an opportunity to pull some um, higher vibrational people to the space. And I think over the weekend, there were maybe 12 to 14 people that participated in it. Now I've been in these kind of retreats before <clears throat> I had been asked to present during one of the sessions. Uh, and so I always look at these opportunities as, you know, I'm here as a presenter and not as a participant. And of course the universe always has lessons for me and I was gonna be reminded of another one here. Um, those sessions that I did sit in and I, I wrote an article that I put on the website yesterday, I'll push it out in the social media, you know, later this morning. Uh, about a greater appreciation that I have for the nature of sound and vibration and just that. There were two individuals that were going to demonstrate their expertise with sound bowls and not just in sitting and playing them without going into a lot of detail because there's some other information I want to cover here today you should go back to the website and read that article because it talks about what these two individuals did. And Casey, uh, a young man, and he can't be out of his 20s yet. He played these bowls like a master. And when I realized that, man, he had at least a dozen bowls in front of him while he was, you know, I look at them as energizing. I don't really see these people as playing them because they're pouring their energy through this. Now, there's no music. There's no sheet music to any of this. So when you sit back and admire somebody that can you know, act with these bowls like a conductor, play each one of them to a score that only he knew that he came up with at the time. No one learns this music in this way. You don't rehearse it it just flows through you. So when I see somebody that has that gift, that's one aspect. What I had not seen before this weekend was a method of toning. And I'm sure some people out there are familiar with it. I was not. The idea to use bowls in a way to tone the physical body while another 
person with shaman-like abilities could read your energy, I saw people get transformed. And the beauty of it was um, Julie, who's the person I'm referring to that has these shamanic, energetic abilities to read like a corporeal body. No, but this was not a cookie cutter approach. It wasn't like she had learned this and I do this, this, and this, and then I can tell these things about you. Everybody's approach was different. The time it took with each person was different. I had a great appreciation for what she was doing in concert with what Casey was doing and eventually adding Roxy. And when I saw it, it looked like these three had done this kind of, we're not calling it, uh, well, it is energy work. Julie made a point at the beginning of it, and with the shift in energy that I felt at the beginning of the year, she pointed out that we weren't there to heal. We're all vibrating at levels where we've been healing for a long time now, and really, the work is done. We are aware of the things that need to be brought back into alignment. We've done that. What we're doing now is transforming, right. taking the energies that are around us <clears throat> and manipulating into what that's supposed to be next. Uh, it helps us to communicate with things on higher levels to begin with, and then you can begin to piece together what you're gonna find in those higher levels. So this morning when we were having these conversations, um, I was reflecting back on Thursday night while Dave was doing his podcast. It had been a while here in the spot in Arizona, I've been to see a clear sky at night. So, and, and it had been cold some nights. So to go out and try and, you know, record some things in the sky, the conditions just weren't right. Well, the other night, while Dave was hosting the podcast, there was a system of weather that came in. And when I looked out the window, man, it was that kind of black, dark off in the um, horizon. And it, maybe 15 or 20 minutes later, I could hear it moving over us. Now, I had been here while it had been raining before, but I hadn't heard this level of rain. It wasn't until last night somebody asked, you know, about the sleet. And that's when it occurred to me, oh, it was cold enough for the rain to freeze. And that was the noise that I heard. So um, anyway, after the front came through, about halfway through Dave's podcast, um, I had this inclination to just go see if the sky was clear again. Um, now, the temperature had risen because of whatever had come through, and it wasn't as cold. So I took the camera and the tripod out while I was listening to Dave um, do the podcast, and I set this up outside. Now, immediately, what I recorded, and it wasn't unusual. And I shouldn't say that because it's going to be unusual to everybody else. I had recorded um, orbs on the property immediately. As soon as I flipped the camera and you could see them floating in front of the lens. It wasn't the first time this happened. And my frame of references, every time I've been to Jamie's and McLeod and I've seen these and um, Pluto's Cave, I'm used to what it looks like. And this had actually been... Um, maybe the second or third occurrence where it happened here in the backyard of Julie's. What I noticed this time, however, was that I've seen in some of the recent recordings at 
Jamie's place because she set some infrared things up to just record activity overnight. There have been more plasma forms. Now I'd seen those and they certainly resonate with me, but they are not orbs. They're entirely different, but they still move like a, like a being mass. That's what I saw yesterday. The fact that I can begin to see these things now with kind of more than naked eye told me that there were some activations we all got over the weekend. And as much as I thought I was just going to be a presenter, I was very much a participant. I received some things that allowed me to reach into higher levels. And I'm convinced that's, that's why I now saw these plasma forms the way that they were. So I told you all of that story to tell you this one, because all of those things just happened along the way of what, you know, my original objective was to, you know, pick a spot in the spy, the sky. Um, I'm just led to just record some things around Orion. So that was my target. And in the night sky over where I was, man, I could see Orion perfectly. So I had focused the camera on Orion's belt and went in to finish listening to the last half of Dave's podcast. I knew that when it was over, I'd come out and, you know, retrieve the goggles and see what we recorded. And what I saw when I reviewed the footage afterward was that I've been doing this for a while now. And I'm used to how quickly the sky seems to move across, you know, the screen. There, something in me tells me that the speed either of the rotation of the earth or whatever this phenomenon caused it, Orion's belt moved off my screen quicker than it should have. So I don't know what is responsible for the rate at which the sky was moving in proportion to where I was, but it was just faster than I've seen before. So... I'm going to ask Dave to kind of weigh in on what his thoughts are on what I was experiencing. In my opinion, I went to a whole nother level of connectivity after I engaged the energy that was at the ranch. And so did other people that were there. Wow. That's amazing. And it's, but it's, it's also to be expected in any form of advanced growth. And it's amazing when it happens. And then I think you'll get used to it. It was like amazing for me when the ships, the interstellar conveyance would stop when I was speaking to them with my mind. And I learned that by speaking out loud, when I was talking to them at nighttime, this is in, gosh, uh, late 2016. And we're looking at Orion's belt because that's where we focused was on the constellation Hercules. And of course, Taurus is behind that. Uh, and interestingly enough, when you speak, all you're doing is generating a tone to match the thought. So you have thought energy, which is what? Electricity and light. Your thought is made of light. That's why it travels faster than light. And then you generate a tone that other humans can understand. So when we advance, like I would just talk, and that's the thought. 
So then I started to not talk and just think to them, please stop in my thoughts. And they would. And then the whole waterfall opened up. It went from a trickle to, you know, a, a billion Olympic pools. What happened was that was the key moment when they realized and I realized that this was real, that they had found another human that was able to hear them and begin dialogue. And it was such an important part of the entire process. So when we have these leaps, like, so what's happened here, Lowell, is we were talking, like, we always talk about plasma and we always talk about light energy and light languages because, again, there's there's no lexicon for the things that we discuss within tribe, but the things that we feel viscerally. This is a very important key element to the human experience as, as well as the intellectual one because you, you viscerally, viscerally feel time like you viscerally feel energy. If there's an unpleasant or unwanted spirit in the house, if there's a ghost from another resident in your house, and sometimes you can feel this in your stomach area or your solar plexus where your heart is and, and where your uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth chakra or fourth, fourth, and fifth chakra, or you feel these things. And so viscerally, you'll get that excitement feeling when you're developing this new form of communication, but you've activated your whole limbic system, your pituitary gland, your third eye, because if you're seeing these plasma lights, that's when I kind of thought for a second, well, maybe this is, this is not a dimensional porthole. This is not any extra energy. This is, this is a, a light being, a, an existence of light. And so immediately, because I, you know, my whole bag as an ambassador is to generate all forms, of different levels of communication, openness and language, whether it's yeah. uh, human or, or beyond dissenting. And that's with all bridges of society. And I don't care this, you know, label me a friend of the, the, the department of whatever. I'm, you know, everybody deserves to have the same truth, not just us. So you've activated some very, uh, energetic regions of your mind the more you see this stuff the more easy it'll be to see it yeah all uh, right this just seemed like next level higher connection um well i think this is something this, that we may want to look at or you may want to think about it being a being and then if you could generate some sort of language to communicate with it well that was one of the next topics i wanted to cover uh one was you had asked me in the green room before this began, and we started to walk down this dialogue asking about, uh, and what I was curious with is, yes, okay, I see that they're here. Now, how do I communicate with them? Because clearly they're here to do that. So we just have to figure out, you know, in what language or frequency that takes place. So having said that, these people, there were three people I met over the weekend, and I think I might have mentioned them before. I don't know what I mentioned in the green room as opposed to here on the broadcast we've been recording. But I made mention of two individuals that were performing with crystal bowls. And here is what I got out of it. After it was over, I was moved profoundly. I was... Um, awakened and made aware of 
I say healing, I'm going to go back to transformative. When I saw Casey use these to tone people, I saw Crystal, well, he was using metal balls. I'd never seen him using that fashion before, but it certainly made freaking sense. And when my feet were in the ball and I experienced it for myself, man, I felt how sound and vibration functions. Then we watch Roxy um, kind of her intent was to guide people, you know, through a guided meditation and they were on their way to Castle Lake. Well, when she began, you know, there's a part of me at this elevated awareness that I'm really not interested in group meditations. I, in order for me to really get what I need out of it, I need peace and quiet and solitude and not somebody, you know, walking me through it. I'm not suggesting that there isn't a place for that because of course that was a tool that helped me at the beginning, but I've kind of gone past that. Anyway, when you read the story about what happened to me, Julie had handed me before Roxy was supposed to play. It was, she was first thing Saturday morning and while she was getting situated, uh, Julie pulled this box out. And if you've been to Mount Shasta and you know who Maziba is and where his gallery is, she had found this artifact and had kept it in this box. So she, while Roxy's getting ready to perform, Julie pulls this, we'll call it a stone, because at this point, I don't know what it is, hands it to me. And it's kind of egg shaped, but it fits in my palm pretty well. In my mind, this is heavier and has like a metal component to it. And that would account for the weight in what I think it is, you know, proportionately to other stones or crystals I might have held. Um, uh, and Julie said, you know, here, you know, what is this? Didn't tell me what it was. I didn't even know where she got it at the time. Well, I'll learn that later on. But she said, well, just sit with it. So I had it for about 15 minutes looking at it like I'm going to read the surface of it and see if I can't figure out, you know, what's contained in it. <laughs> As that's taking place, Roxy started to tune her bowls. And when she gets to one particular bowl, the F sharp bowl, as a matter of fact, when she, you know, just starts to tune this one, it feels like this thing's vibrating in my hand. I got a cup between both my hands and my hands are resting on my lap. I feel this thing. It seemed to sink when she touched that thing. And then she went on to practice with the other ones. Well, when that happened, I got one of those you know, double take moments and went, huh, what? Like a, a, there was an association between what she did and what I was holding. So I waited for a moment while she was playing all the other ones for her to go back to that one and see if it would do it again, validate what I thought I felt. And oh, oh my God, when she got there and started to play the bowl, this thing started to all it vibrated like it was singing. So now you can feel it expanding through both my hands, up through my arms, and it settles in like my heart core and my teeth are vibrating while she plays that ball. So the entire time she's doing that, I'm drifting off and I can kind of hear her in the background with everybody else in their meditative state. I hear her make a reference to Lake Shasta, but I'm not going where these people are going. And I keep waiting in this state to see where she's going to take me. 
I think I'm going somewhere. No, that's not what this little connection was going to be. Because while I was holding this relic and she was playing that bowl, she was raising the frequency in the room for me to hit higher vibrations. And what I was doing in the room, because I've had this expanded ability in my mind to be restored to us humans that can, it's about defying gravity. And so here I am in this room and I'm floating through the room to show the others that it can be done. Now, no one's watching because they're all, their eyes are all closed and they're going through this meditative journey at whatever level they're at. And Roxy's not paying attention to me. So, you know, I'm just giggling while this is going on. When we get to the end of this phenomena, my, <laughs> I look over at Julie immediately and utter the F-bomb because my hands are so fatigued from the energy passing through from the stone, I almost dropped it on the floor. And we sat there and that's when she began to explain where she got it, what it was. And in the end, I was holding a freaking dragon egg from inner earth. And it is tuned to that bowl she was playing. When I did, I could reach higher levels of vibration. And it was after that, and having listened to Casey play and use the bowls the night before, that here is the power of sound and vibration. Because look at what elevated in the room without anybody uttering a word. It blew me away. So I need a drink of water. You have any observations, my friend? Uh, yeah. I've got a couple of interesting, you know, things that have come to mind since you brought all of that up. Um, I'm glad I took notes. What I've done, what I'm doing, everybody, is I'm taking notes now. Because uh, <laughs> the professor, the professor here is a little too fast. Maybe I'm getting older and I'm slowing down a little bit, but uh, I like to, it, I is, like to, it feels like I'm like, I'm um, expounding multiple lines of communication all at the same time. So my apologies. No, don't apologize. I think many, many of us are, are lucky to, to listen. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always pleased to, to sit in your, in your company and, and listen. Uh, You've got a, a huge range of fascinating topics that you brought up. And, and brother, this would be a four-hour show if we're going to pick each one of those apart. And it's, yeah. I don't think that's why people tune in. But mm -hmm. I did pick up on a couple of interesting things. And one of them was uh, at the very beginning of what you were talking about. Uh, you're talking about the fact that, you know, you're, you're not healing each other. You're, you're there. You're healed. You're, you're moving on to the next higher level or you have. This is what you and I were talking about a year ago when I brought up the fact that we've already ascended. Stop talking about us being in ascension. We're not in ascension. We've ascended. So this is the next, this is the manifestation that inner earth is taking through you. And it's going to go off into all sorts of different directions. Is that, you know, for me, everybody knows I'm a math guy and I like higher geometry and higher mathematics. And so for me, I, I linearize my thought processes so they're similar 
but I'm able to store information a little bit more easily because I've been spending a lot of time working on how I process high volumes of important information. And because I'm a mathematician, I always have some sort of abstract uh, response immediately to creating a geometry or creating a formula or creating a, a, a reason. Because, you know, as a mathematician, I love to measure the infinite and I also love to um, enjoy the clockwork of the universe. I can, you know, envision these amazing celestial gears moving and turning slowly or turning quickly. And we're going to talk about time moving a little bit because we'll go back to the Orion's belt thing. So, but we're not claiming mastery. And be very careful, folks. Lowell is not claiming mastery. I'm not claiming mastery. All right, because there are no masters. There are people who are constantly on a quest to study and learn. And it's really important because when Reiki was really a, sort of a popular new thing in the United States about 20 years ago, uh, it got in Europe huge. And and about half, the halfway point of understanding and trying to understand Reiki and use it properly here in America it had just swept Europe and there was tons and tons of well-to-do erudite people who were just clutching and grasping for something higher. They, they, they didn't realize all they had to do was look within to find the answers because the universe is inside of you and the entire universe. And so they didn't look within, but I saw many, many people. And because I was in, the more affluent circles of the wine and spirits trade, I traveled with the higher clientele. And these were people that thought they were special. And then indeed there was a lot of interesting special people, but it was a group of people that were so desperate to have some sort of spiritualism that they all started studying Reiki. So by 2005, 2006, it would be no big deal for me to go to South Africa to go on a wine buying expedition. And for, this is a two week journey into the Boschendal area. And there'd be some millionaire there going, I'm a Reiki master, you know? And so when I started hearing it like that from people saying, I'm a Reiki master, it always kind of made me cringe a little bit because who has given you the title of mastery? We can only master our own language and behavior and barely do a good job at that as a species. Yeah. Remember, everybody, please take a breath and relax. It's We're in an evolutionary process. This isn't something that we rush. This is something that happens. And if we love what we're doing and if we love what we're experiencing, then it'll improve for you on a personal level. But we're not claiming mastery. So what Lowell's doing, and this is purely my take on it from listening carefully what Lowell's doing is he is developing his higher senses and this is a good place for him to be and he's with other people that have developed different aspects of the same higher sense so now what i see are light beings actual luminescent light beings who are appearing and let's go back to what our dear friend paulo was saying and I want to thank Paula, by the way, for bringing up Professor Gary Nolan and his studies of the human mind. I think we should all, you know, take a piece, a page from Paula's book and look this guy up. Um, so when Paula also mentioned that you can be looking at a ship and receiving a CLPT, CLPF moment, 
And there could be somebody standing right next to you. And this has happened to me before where they just don't see it. They don't see the ship moving. They don't see the bright light. They don't see it come down. They don't see it flashing a strange signal and then just disappearing. Same thing with ghosts. You can be in a room with somebody and I've seen ghosts and I've been contacted by them. And it's just another aspect of reality. But you can be with somebody who doesn't feel a thing. And so there are humans that feel nothing. And I think that this is an aspect about our evolutionary process that we have to grasp and think about for all the things that we see as tribe that are just terrible for mama earth. There's people that have no feelings at all. And this is why they do the things that they do. Now, maybe it's our job to teach these people to feel things or to realize that they can have feelings but I have a suspicion that many people don't want them because they know what they're doing. And if they start feeling things, they're going to not want to live anymore for the terrible things that are going. So we don't claim mastery. Now, interesting thing that you went on to then was being activated in a meditative state by the sound. But you also mentioned that you needed a form of solitude to really help you activate a deeper meditative state. And I, I can see how that's very true for many people who meditate. Um, I have met people who are um, very uh, at peace with this reality and the next that uh, can walk into a meditative state while they're actively doing something. And it's just amazing. They can just be on a hike and then go silent for a half an hour because they're someplace else. And so when we get in deep into meditation and to quieting our minds and being one with the universe, then we develop other skills that we were never told about. So it's so important to do that. Um, I think, um, let me underscore that point, and then I want you to continue. Meditation, when I learned it, was a tool to get me to those levels where I could sense things beyond myself. Um, the more I spent time in solitary places, which is why, you know, you hear not just from me, but people like anybody that's been to Shasta, they found something on the mountain, out in the forest, because out in that kind of environment, it's really easy quiet, peaceful, to connect to that level of stuff when there's no distractions around you. And once you're there, man, you all you want to do is return to it. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. That's That happens with everything. Yeah. Whenever we go to a beautiful place, all we want to do is stay there. When we're in with the best friends that we could ever possibly be around, we just want to stay with them. And that's yes. such a, a beautiful way to, to finish that thought. Um, one of the things that Paula had mentioned was seeing uh, an interstellar conveyance when she was very young. Her parents were driving and her brother and her were in the back seat and they both saw it. And um, we'll get Paula to talk about the experience again. But her parents didn't see the ship and there's a reason they didn't see it. The ship wasn't there for them their relationship with their interstellar conveyance is a interpersonal one. It's an intellectual relationship with their ship. 
it's an it's an emotional relationship, but it's their level of emotions, which is enzymatic and amino yeah, acids. Exactly. Totally it's vibratory. Right. They it's vibrated tower, at a level that's, higher that's than even, their parents. Right. Well, that's you know, vibrations are almost not the right word, even though that is the right it's word. It's the only one we have to use. <laughs> well, it's one of it's one of several that we have to use. So I want to be careful about using vibrations for this type of communication, but I understand it. Um it's um it's more like a, a resonant frequency or a resonant wave when your body has an enzymatic amino acid response that's triggered by something that you see or feel, then there's a, a micro signature, which is a, a very tiny electrical impulse that that is the sort of thing, but it's personified. It's huge. It's a huge version of that. And I haven't come up with a study on that yet. So when we are, activated there's also an exchange there's so many different types of beings that are interested and this is this goes back to the the pantheon of the 12 gods goes back to the 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 zodiacal the zodiacal circle of 12 zodiac symbols there's a reason that there's these specific species that are working with us there's the the helpful grays the good ones there's the blue grays there's the tan tall ones that are four or five foot tall there's the oranids the vegans the arcturans the andromedians and the taurins the pleiadians the lyrans this isn't just a, a copy of a cute way to say a constellation. These are species, the Nordics, that have been working with us for a while, but there's more. This is part of the, the saturation process to see how we will all behave. You see, when they turn us from normal Joe guy walking down the street to I see a ship to I see a light, I see an orb, I see rainbows that no one else sees. This is them shaking hands with your mind. This is them developing a relationship with your soul and then teaching you how to recognize it. So then we become ambassadors. Lowell's an ambassador for Talos. I'm an ambassador for Taurus. Vivian Chauvet is an ambassador for Arcturus. There's absolutely no question. But it's an Here's activation, contact is it's work. An activation process. So when she saw those two ships or that ship, when she was a little girl, Paula with her brother back for parents car, they didn't see it. Well, this also relates to time. Now, this story that came from her is serendipity because you were talking about Orion's belt flying across the yes. screen. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to get back to your observations. So on do you, see the, you, see, you see the do you see the correlation? Oh, Yes. Okay, so what happens is everybody that's listening to this should know that I did this big thing on time, like gravity and sound, and I've identified like several other scientists. It's not my idea, but time is a particle. Time is a particle. It's it's not viewed as a particle by mainstream science, but it is, and it can only be a particle. Otherwise, it wouldn't work with light, gravity, and sound, which are all particles. All of them have a wavelength. It varies. All of them have a type of frequency 
that travels in a wavelength, which varies according to their nature of their reality. Time is 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 separate, but it's not. Gravity separate, but it's not. These all work together as a single item, the singularity of existence. So when you're born, when your soul is delivered into this timeline, you create a new timeline by your consciousness. When you have children, 10, 15, 20 years of being married, and you have children, they generate a brand new timeline when their soul is arrived. So you operate within a divergent time field. Your parents have their timeline and you're born into yours. Well, your timeline is in accordance to the synchronization of the planets, the universe, the galaxy, and the timeline of that part of our universal change, our galactic discovery, all of the communication that comes in at that time frequency. So the ship that came down, the beyond Earth sentient that wants to communicate with you, the light form that's communicating with you now, comes in according to your timeline. So you've been through a series of events to get you to a point. But then before Lowell mentioned this, I said, you know, hey, man, uh, time is speeding up and it's slowing down. And he goes, you're right. This is what happened with Orion's belt. So this is part of the dimension shift, the big change that's going on right this moment. All right, there's a lot of people that are suffering and and we're not suffering. Our hearts are full of joy. And it's it's not because I'm in Hermosa Beach. It's because that's how I choose to be. We're all going forward right now. And it's like I was saying on the podcast the other night. You know, it doesn't matter if the sun goes pop because you're going to be at such a high frequency that it's going to occur. You're not even going to know it's going to occur. You're going to be with Gaia. And so all the shit's going to go down, but the people who don't have feelings, those, all these people are going to just disappear. And you're going to go forward with the planet. And that's okay, because you're going to be the ones protecting the animals, protecting the planet, protecting the children. And it's going to be a beautiful life. So that frequency, we're all being taught how to communicate to different species at different frequencies according to our timelines. And we vibrate a certain resonancy. All right, so there's a resonant wave, and that's part of the communication process because light has a resonant wave. It has a value, a frequency, and it travels. Same thing with these light beings that are communicating to you. And so your brain, there's some very strange philosophies from both um, indigenous peoples and ancient uh, China that your eyes are a lens and your brain is a projector. And you actually send images out that they can see. You see them, but they may not necessarily see you the way that you think you are. They may see a form with a different type of light around it. Right? So it's a it's a human thing to have a preconceived notion of what you should look like or what a species should look like. It's a preconceived normalism. We're all the same way. But, you know, all of us have this preconceived notion about what a human should look like. All of us have a preconceived notion about what a, 
uh, beyond Earth's emptiness sort of like, but it's not true at all. Yeah, those were suggestions that got planted somehow, and they just took. But you're right. We really have no idea what to expect. And that's right. part of the awareness that we want to talk about with others. And that if you truly know that contact happens and that you're interested in having contact of your own, we need to get ourselves in a mindset where we're not going to be freaking freaked out the first well, time. Well, and I think, I think that mindset, I think that mindset is adaptability. It's not genetic. It's just your ability to be yeah. flexible and adaptive because I have True. to adapt to the rapid increase in communication from the universe. I'm, I'm running down a road and I'm smiling and laughing as I'm running because it's so bitching. It's not difficult, but it's like being back in school. You have to keep up on things. <laughs> and there's boy, so much coming at it so quickly right. that that's right. really and, the trouble. And, and, but there's my a lot apologies. of joy, you see. <laughs> When it I do go off of these rants, it's because it's all of our nature to discuss what we know at the level that we're at. And well, so not, I make no apologies for being this elevated, but no. holy cow, this is no, what's dude. coming in my direction. <laughs> right. I'm stoned from the energy that's coming from Gaia and from the universe. It gets right. you, you don't need drugs because it just makes you feel so good, you know. I, I hate saying it this way, but I'm so goddamn happy. I mean, I woke up this morning feeling all this love and all this tremendous creation healing and just these wonderful things that are happening all around us, right? Yeah. And yeah, okay, there's some bad shit. There'll always be some idiot doing something stupid. But just in our timeline, in yes. my resonant wave that I'm writing, dude, I it's like, it's great. It's great. And so this resonant wave teaches us. And as long as we feel it and recognize it, the more we feel and recognize it, the more we're going to ride that wave. And it's brilliant. I mean, it's a surfer. I can tell you it's the wave that is like the best wave you could ride. And yeah. so the re resonant frequency is teaching us and it'll probably be a process with you just like it is for me or anybody that has another new beginning of an understanding. And since my time's run out, because this is into an hour and 20 minutes for old Dave, I've opened my shop. I got to get back to work. Yes, and you so, but great conversation, Lowell, and you're bang on with the stuff and what we need to do next time. What I like to do is talk about sound and how sound not only cleans your pineal gland and activates it, but it also vibrates and it breaks away a lot of the toxic salts and, the, and any kind of unnecessary chemistry that's occurring in your mind. Sound waves penetrate right through your brain and it's like fracturing ice crystals off of frozen pipes that just drop away and all of a sudden the new you is revealed. Those sound waves, according to the way that they're given to you, like a language, whether it's light or spoken, those bowls, those crystal bowls, activate your brain by cleansing it and the power of those sound waves goes right through you and it really activates all those good feelings and and your heart light and the light of your third eye the light of your mind super stuff and so when the light of your mind is active and you more than likely had this amazing meeting because of those bowls 
because they, oh, yes. pen- they penetrated you, they went through you, they activated you, and then all of a sudden this new life form came to emanate nearby. And that's yeah. something we got to talk about the next time we're on. I love you, man. I got to split. This is a perfect place to end. Um, thank you very much. Yes, we'll expand on sound because that's the next level of how we're going to communicate anyway. Right so on, thanks again. I love you. Thanks for participating. And I'll see everybody again next week. Peace. Peace.